Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Like Me podcast. I'm Corey Allen. I'm here with Chris Gladden. What's up, Chris? Hey, how we doing today? Oh, doing pretty good. Um, it's too damn hot. I'll tell you, it is very warm. And yesterday, man, rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this last couple of weeks, man. But um, so we were we were kicking around this when we were uh, we were at Rack Bar um, with the Nerd Like Me group on this Saturday. This past Saturday, um, a lot of people came out. It was a really good time. So thanks to everybody that came out. But one of the things that we discussed uh, with some of our fellow nerds, and I thought it was a really good thing um, that maybe we could kick around on the podcast and, and maybe um, get other people's thoughts when once they listen, is um, video games in the Olympics. Um, so th- it hasn't been confirmed as far as I can tell um, after discussing it. Um, we kind of looked into it, or at least I, you, you and I both kind of looked at it a little bit. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily been confirmed right. by the Olympics, but... Um, there are a lot of bigger names in, um, especially the video game industry, really pushing uh, for the video games to be added as, as a category in the Olympics. Yeah, we're looking at uh, 2024 is what, what people are speculating. Right. I mean, that's a lo- that does give us a lot of time to... Well, what do you got to do to prepare? I mean... Well, I mean, you know, you got to figure out what the, games, what the games are. Yeah. Um, you know, people got to start practicing for those games and getting ready to be... Well, if there's one thing I know about video gamers is that they have, are, are, are practicing... Well, true, but <laughs> but I mean, you know, when you figure out that it's your specific game is going to be in the Olympics and you want to be a part of that, like, you know, well, if you're a, playing a couple different first-person shooters and then they decide that Call of Duty is going to be the one, are you going to play more Call of Duty? Or Well, I mean, I guess that, that leads ones? us to a really good question up front is how do we decide who gets to go tournament? I mean, but, you know, realistically, I mean, I don't even, actually, to be honest, I'm not even sure I understand how that process works. Yeah, for I other mean, sports, I mean, obviously, it's some selection process based on your your qualifications and your skill, right? I think that a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of sports have invitations by winning some kind of tournament. Like I think gymnastics, like you have to win like a pre qualifier, and then that gets you into like nationals, and then you win nat. Or if you score so high in nationals, then you you're part of the U.S. Olympic team or okay. something like that. I don't know yeah. the exact specifics of that, but right. I'm pretty but sure that's some, how it works. Some There's competitive like a process to, to get it. there. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess at that point, um, I mean, for, to be honest, I, I wouldn't expect, um, you know, unless you're already a top player in the world, I wouldn't, ex- you know, I, I just, the way you said that, like, oh, you, Call of Duty is going to be in the Olympics. I need to play more Call of Duty. Like, I don't really expect Joe Schmo sitting on his couch is going to be a part of the team. No. I mean, I'd have but, to imagine it's already, unfortunately, going to be people that are already up there in the competitive world. Right. But I mean, for those people, I mean, they're going to have to start looking at which one is the one that we're going to, that we're going to be playing. Like, is it worth me just, you know, continue to play Counter Strike or whatever, but I have well, a chance to get into the Olympics if I switch over to to Call of Duty. You got that backward. There's no way in the world that you'd put Call of Duty in the Olympics. Well, and I'm not just, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I don't. Counter Strike is the backbone of competitive first person. It's the only reason that any of it, other any of the other competitive first person shooters ever exist. I've never really got it. Like, I'm not saying that it's a bad game. I just don't really. I, I don't know. I played so, old Counter Strike, and it just wasn't. I mean, I haven't played the well, newer so version. You, and this is a really good thing to go into in this topic is not because it, it's not just a about video games it has to be a competitive what what makes a video game really in my opinion able to be a competitive game right because there are like world of warcraft is not in no way shape or form is that a competitive game mm-hmm. it can't right right and then and then when you look at something like call of duty versus counter-strike what makes one of them more like what makes counter-strike more apt to be a competitive game well for one um just the map layout the fact that it's hit scan i mean there are a lot of things that go into it, you Twitch matters a lot more in Counter-Strike. I mean, there's a lot less randomness. I mean, it's it's very, it's your skill. Like, mm-hmm. it, there is no perks or, I mean, there's no BS, right? You pick a gun, and then it's who can put their cursor on the other dude's face first. Right. That's competitive. Mm-hmm. Where you don't have these random variables and... 
and other aspects of gameplay, to me, that's what makes something competitive, right? No, I get that. Is it's boiled down to its basic elements, and it relies more than anything on skill. I get that, but I think that the draw of bringing uh, video games to the Olympics is because it's they want something that people are going to watch. And I'm not saying that people won't want to watch Counter-Strike, but is it going to be the most interesting to watch version of a first person? I, have you seen some of those guys play? I haven't. That's what I'm saying. I don't really yeah, know much I mean, about so, Counter-Strike. So if, and if, yeah, and if anybody hasn't, I mean, the things that people do in that game are just... And when you realize that it's... Boil, there's no... Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure we've got some console gamers out there that have never ventured into a competitive first-person shooter on a PC. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no auto-aim. There's no lag compensation. It is, I mean, there's a lot of times if you just, if you were to just pick up, and this is why I kind of laugh sometimes when people, um, console gamers are talking about being competitive and I'm like, go sit down at a PC, you'll get humbled real fast mm-hmm. because before you even know what's going on, you've already been shot in the head. Right. And, and there, you know, at least when I pick up a, a Call of Duty game, I can like run around and I know, I see the guy that shot me and I know where he was, you know what I mean? There's, right. there, it's forgiving. Mm-hmm. This is not forgiving. If you're not yeah. good at the game, you're going to, um, and you, you don't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people it's hard for it's not fun for a lot of people because you know and and until recently when they started basically doing the matchmaking systems where it's kind of pairing you with people of like it's got like an similar similar skill you know which that didn't exist 10 15 years ago Mm -hmm. it was just you went into a game and if the best person in the world was in that game you were just gonna right um but now you know after you play certain matches it's kind of figuring out where you fall and then you get put into games where you're kind of on the same level as everyone else which helps Mm mm-hmm um, but yeah, man, I, just go watch some of the top players, and it is just unbelievable their dexterity, um, the way they move through the map. I mean, it's all extremely precise. There's right. a reason for every single thing, um, and that's why I say that because you know sometimes you watch some battlefield or whatever, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. it, it's like yeah, I guess it's fun to watch, but to me, again, and this kind of draws us to, to a question of are video games a sport? Because can you, know, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, at that I mean, com- that's, that's at a that, tough question. <laughs> right. At, at that competitive level, what makes something a sport and what doesn't? Like, yeah. you know, um, for me, and that's why there are certain games that, that I would definitely consider this is, you have to be exceptionally skilled to be, like, if mm-hmm. you're playing on that level, you're really good. Well, let's look. I, I pulled up the Oxford uh, definition of what a sport is. Okay. And, I mean, according to Oxford, video games are not a sport. But, right. I mean, that's up for debate. So, an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment so so everything but the physical exertion it means right and i mean you know i mean i've seen and, people and, pretty sweaty at the end of well in, i mean it, it, it depends game. i mean to, to be fair what determines physical exertion right i'm physically moving a mouse mm-hmm. i'm physically exerting force on that mouse right on the keys on a controller i, I mean Does your that brain count? cells are, are firing at you know a trillion miles an hour yeah, i mean and that's what i'm saying right and, and is that definition i mean like i said how how nitpicky do we want to get yeah i mean I, i'm definitely not saying that that it's not a sport because... Well, I know. I just think there are a lot of people that would say let's that. Let's see what Miriam... Probably that, the similar thing. <laughs> giving a transitive verb. Go ahead and skip their definition. Yeah. Stick with, <laughs> stick with Oxford's definition. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I would say they are... Because to me, if I think of a sport as unpetted, right. that requires skill. You know, I mean, somebody said something about while we were at Rec Bar, that sport has to be some somebody can defend. Um, and there's plenty of Olympic sports where you can't defend Curling, yeah. gymnastics. Right. Um, I mean, the shooting... Sprinting. The shooting sports. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's defending. That'd be way cooler, though. <laughs> That's what they should add. Is right. You, now you have someone shooting back at you. Yeah, that would uh, that would be really interesting. But again, that's what we're adding with Call of Duty or I guess yeah. <laughs> Counter Strike if if that's what they picked. Um, 
So with Counter-Strike, um, like again, I'm not super familiar with it, but it's it's one of those where when you die in that, you don't respawn, right? Correct. Like, so, And that's the other thing you know, versus a Call of Duty is it, it is an objective-based game. Mm-hmm. So in Call of Duty, you know, most, com- most people are playing Team Deathmatch. Mm-hmm. So how do you win that? Have the best kill-death ratio at the end as a team? Yeah, I mean, you just win You know what matches. I'm saying? But to, yeah. me, to, but to me, I, that's, we're just going to shoot at each other for 10 minutes. And whoever I don't know. So in Counter Strike, you you have your terrorists and counter terrorists, or the two teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and the terrorists, there's two different game modes. There's hostage rescue, and then there's bomb defuse. So in the bomb defuse, you have the terrorists, and one of the terrorists randomly spawns with the bomb. Mm-hmm. And there are two bomb sites, and the terrorist job is to go to a bomb site, plant the bomb, and let it explode. And the counter terrorist job is to kill them before that happens, mm-hmm. or kill them after they plant the bomb and defuse it basically stop the bomb from going off right um in hostage rescue the counter terrorists um there, there's a bunch of hostages that spawn with the terror yeah. like npcs and the, the counter terrorists have to kind of infiltrate the building or whatever area and get the counter terror or get the hostages and lead them back to their base okay um so those are both objectives right and it's and it is kind of once you're out, you're out. So that brings me to another question then. I mean, just let's talk about there is would they even put, because I mean, what you're talking about is kind of controversial. Like, do we really want the Olympics to have terrorists and, terrorists and counter-terrorists right. and, and, you know, armies, you know, like if it's Call of Duty, I mean, we got the SAS, the American army, and then you got like the Taliban or whatever, you know, op- opposition force there is yeah. in that video game. You know, do they want that? Or is yeah, it just or you play be... Battlefield and it's US versus Russia and it's right. like... Oh, yeah, do we exactly. really want this scenario? You know, um, um, that's a really good question. Or, or are we going to play like Wii bowling? Because it's pretty. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like it's it's going to be interesting to see what games they actually put in the Olympics. I mean, first person shooter is the first thing I go to because it's one of the most popular genres of video games. Well, I mean, and, anybody and like I, I said, know, Counter Strike yeah. did basically start competitive. Yeah. I mean, that didn't exist until Counter Strike got popular in the late nineties, early two thousands, mm-hmm. and it was like after that, then you started seeing other things start being competitive. But that was the first one where you had turn I mean real turn like big I'm not talking about real tournaments I know they existed but like big name tournaments where you were winning real money that was really what you think that of, was before um Starcraft though cuz Starcraft uh, it was probably about the similar time cuz I know Starcraft was a huge competitive game uh, at least Starcraft is. 1 um and I mean Starcraft 1 of game yeah. especially in Asia and that's something that maybe you maybe I'm, I'm wrong maybe Starcraft did come first maybe it's just my experience that mm-hmm. Counter-Strike was the, the first one that I caught on to right. back in the day um, but you know, I, I, and you're probably right. I mean, they're probably in this plus or minus two years, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean I'm, I'm not sure know. either, but I'm just um, curious. If, yeah. So they're in that, and, and, and that's a whole different genre. That's a game. Maybe that's more apt, right? Because yeah, real time strategies are you can be a little bit more neutral. I mean, you got like aliens and stuff. Yeah, of actual countries. And, yeah. And, I mean, there's no. Um, and plus, like I said, I mean that's super popular, especially in Asia, which is where I think the 2024 Olympics was supposed in, to be is in yeah, Japan. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I couldn't have thought, thought that's what I thought it was 2020 but... was in Japan, somewhere else. I don't know. Again, I don't really follow the Olympics. Maybe if they have video games, I will. So. Right. I mean, that would make it more interesting. To... Um. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you look, do you really want... That's a really good question for Sarah. And I feel like it's it would be tough to leave out because that is, like, such a cornerstone of the competitive yeah. community. And, I mean, they make so much money. Like, it would be, you know... The companies that make left out, if they weren't, yeah, if they weren't a part of the Olympics, you know, they'd be doing everything that they can to make sure that they get in. Um, I mean, so you got real time strategies, you got MOBAs, which is you know, um, League of Legends and Defenders of the Ancients too, Dota too, um, yeah. and, and that's really the biggest. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about competitive video game, I mean, the international every year, which is Dota tournament. I mean, the prize money is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. People, I mean, just go watch the coverage. I mean, people are like going to watch people play Dota. 
Right. Going, I think it's in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Valve's headquarters. Uh, just nuts. And I, yeah, I've never really looked too far into Dota. I know League of Legends has huge prize support for their for their championship, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, they're giving out millions of dollars. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I don't know what this year, because actually the, the International was just recent. Um, but, you know, I think MOBAs are probably a, a, a must. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's like I said, that's a pretty neutral game. Yeah. It's super duper popular right now. Um, they are at least somewhat balanced. I mean, the, the at least the um, the maps are balanced. Um, you know, you could get unbalanced characters, but I mean, that's also the selection process in those games of who your team is is also a part of the skill of the game is having the better team makeup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Dota, to be honest, is pretty balanced. Um, there are not... Every hero is good. Mm-hmm. So I, I read a really good description on Reddit. Someone was um, trying to, like, translate to someone that was not a video the difference between League of Legends and Dota. And Dota said... And the guy said about Dota that everything in Dota is broke. Right. Like, every single hero is broke. And the people that are better are better at, bro- like, using their broken shit than the other. Right. And, and, and in League of Legends, where you might have a couple mechanics or, like, certain characters that are significantly better in dota it's not that way it's mm-hmm. just how you <laughs> how good are you at abusing the stuff that's broken because everything's really if it's used correctly not right. overpowered okay. um, which i thought to me makes it more interesting that we don't have everybody trying to get these heroes every time it's like yeah this you know maybe one guy's really good at one hero so he's going to try and get that one but it, but he can also play somebody else and still be 90 percent as good right um so yeah um it, you know and, and it, it's just the only thing that i would say is dota has such a high learning curve. like and i feel like that's where the biggest turnoff for it is if we're talking about uh, like accessibility to the general public whereas like everybody's played call of duty or mm-hmm. knows what it is or yeah. could pick up a controller or a mouse and keyboard and play something like that like dota's a different animal. oh yeah i mean there's you know i mean league of legends is going to be similar again i haven't played dota except for on you know the original version yeah. on uh, warcraft 3 um but i played a lot of league of legends and league of legends is going to be pretty similar i mean you have to learn all each those characters, characters yeah and you have to be you know you have to understand what what they're trying to do and then you have to understand what your opponent can do what their ranges are with each character yep. so you really have to learn just about every character um at least have a, a general idea of what they all do what their ranges are right um and, and and then there's i mean there is on top of that you know there's like on top of the knowledge and, and understanding those mechanics i mean there is still a hand-eye coordination dexterity component too mm-hmm. you know when you're talking about last hitting creeps and right and um being able to to select a target quickly and do all this stuff i mean sometimes when you watch like the team fights that happen in like professional dota like i can't even follow what the hell happens right like all of a sudden things just go crazy on the screen and there's two guys left yeah <laughs> and it's like all right you know, you know i like have to sit there and rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it and probably read through the comments and find someone that explained what happened right and then go back and rewatch it and it's like oh, okay i see you know but man, it's it's something else to watch. Uh, so it looks like uh, prize pool was crowned for, for the international, which is Dota's uh, yearly tournament. Um, the prize pool was crowned funded by the Dota Two community via its battle pass feature. The total being over twenty five. The twenty twenty four. This is the Olympics. largest in esports history. Okay, so fitting. Wanted to be the, yeah. the beginning of. Uh... I would agree with you. Um, one of the things that you said was that professional gaming, while we were re- researching, was a professional gaming was illegal. Yeah, so that's or not not professional gaming, but uh, but playing for money 
Well, which is professional, yeah. right? And, but I mean, I guess you can still be, you can still go out of the country. Well, sure. It's just, but yeah. yeah. So you can be a professional gamer in Japan. You just can't professionally game. Kind of. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know that. So it's interesting, though, because you, it's because they consider it gambling. Yeah. Um, which I don't know that I would consider professionally playing a video game gambling. Um, but it just brings up um, with Battlefront 2 when EA released it that there's a lot of backlash internationally from other countries because a lot of the content was pay. You had yeah, to pay for it. Yeah, it was behind, behind, behind paywalls. The wall, yeah, yeah paywalls. and, and um, you know, but, but you were buying basically digital loot crate that mm-hmm. had random stuff. And at that point, that's game. Um, so I don't I don't see, I don't necessarily, I see where you can gamble in a video game, but I don't consider playing a video game and winning prize money for beating everybody else yeah. any so, more than playing any other sport. It's kind of interesting, though, because... You didn't really see this controversy with a game like Hearthstone, which is kind of like Magic, where you open packs and you get you know different cards and stuff like that, and it's basically a loot crate system, and you're paying you're paying real money. Yeah, but for there's those a marketplace, cards. right? So you can no, also can you, did, you cannot at least sell there. It. I think that they. I think I remember somebody recently saying that they've opened that up to where you can trade card, but it didn't used to be for. I mean, at least up until last year. And maybe it's explicitly year. state. I mean, do you, you know, I don't know how they get around. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really so sure. I, I because don't know the only the way you get cards is buying packs. Is buying packs. You can't trade with anybody. You can make your own cards, but you have to burn cards that you've earned to make those cards. Right. So you're um, spending money anyway. And there's only a couple ways that you can earn pack. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, the loot crate systems and other games where eventually you get one. Um, right. You know. It just takes two weeks instead of right. five ninety. Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, I know there's ways in Hearthstone to get uh, packs without buying them, but they're very far between. Like, you're not going to build a deck with free pack. You have have to right um so i'm kind of i'm kind of curious why that wasn't and maybe it's just because like everybody was already used to the idea of well you got to buy packs to, to play with cards because of games like magic and poke Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff like that but right it wasn't as big in like first person shooters or whatever so it just yeah, pissed off and that I, particular group and I, and I think to me to be honest for me is a lot of the expectation so I go into a digital card game kind of understanding the way that mm-hmm. right i mean at least i would assume so yeah um just like if I go to a casino, I understand that I'm going to be spending money on a chance. Right. Um, but with a first-person shooter, I don't think that's explicitly understood. You know, so I think you had a bunch of people go out and buy this game expecting one thing, finding out that it was going to cost them something, I mean, it was several thousand dollars to, to buy all the content in the game. Mm-hmm. And then realizing that it was a gamble up until that. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and, and then you, it, but and it's, it's weird though, because it's, I mean, it is basically the same thing. I mean, cause it, in Hearthstone to get every single card, I mean, you probably have to spend like thousands of dollars in that too. So I don't know. It's kind of, there's gotta be some, maybe something we're missing, right. some terms of service or something. But all I know is the real, the real thing that people were getting upset was, was, was kids. Yeah. I mean, I know if I'm 27 years old and I buy a video and I see that I understand what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that, right? But you have somebody that's 10 whose parents' credit card is hooked up to their PlayStation camera. Right. And they're like, oh, I want this thing. I'm going to, you know, and they click it and they're spending their parents' money and their parents get a credit card bill for $600 mm-hmm. and didn't, you know, they're, how can you allow that? Yeah, but I mean, like, again, I mean, you can I mean, do the same thing in Hearthstone, you know. I, mean, I know, but that's so but it's there's got to be some difference, right? right? I mean, no, really... maybe it's just the visibility of it. The fact that you had, um, you know, that was one of probably one of the most anticipated video games in a long time. So you had visibility and, and more accessibility. And that was the Star Wars Battlefront. It was too, Star Wars it? Battlefront yeah. too. So I mean, and that was, I mean, really, you had the first Battlefront, which 
everyone waited forever for. And then, you know, people like that game, so they're just as excited for the second inter. Um And, you know, I, I think you just, you just had it in more people's hands. Right. Um, and does Hearthstone cost anything to play to start? No, I think it's free. See, and that's the other part, right? Is I go spend $60 on this game, and then I'm expected to spend 20 something. Yeah. I mean, that could be the big difference on top of it or whatever. Hearthstone is, I'm pretty sure, to play. And even, any, but I mean, so this, like I said, I mean, there's it begs the question, where do you draw the line, right? Because there are plenty of mobile games that also have, they're free and they're loaded with microtransactions. Pokemon Go, right? Play for free, but, but you need but more Pokemon Pokeballs. Go, you can also earn the stuff. Yeah. And you don't have to, like, you don't get better by buying stuff, right? Like, you can just do stuff faster, well, but there's, you don't get Well, there's really no being better at that game, to be right. honest. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, but in, in, like, Call of Duty, or I mean, sorry, but in Battlefront, like, you had to have, like, I mean, there were, like, certain things that you'd get out of those loot boxes that made you a better player. They were, like... Yeah, game, like like skills and yeah. or abilities, at, at, right. or like uh, stuff like that. At least, like to be honest, like, I never bought. That it. was like the only way to get like maybe Luke Skywalker characters. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, but is that any different than a DLC? That, yeah, well, I mean, a DLC you're guaranteed, right? You're not just taking yeah. a chance. I mean, because realistically, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's set numbers to maybe buy this many loot crates that you buy, you're guaranteed to have gotten Luke Skywalker. Well, or whatever, statistics but, at some point. Yeah, but I mean, even with statistics, I mean, if it's it's not perfectly written so that you eventually get him. I mean, you could, you know, if he's only got a 0.0001% chance of dropping, you right. could potentially never get him and spend $10,000, you know, or something like that. I mean, I don't know yeah, exactly how that I works. Mean, but I, I mean, would assume that after you've already unlocked certain content, it probably generates your loot crate based on the stuff that you don't. I, I mean, I know that there's got to be some doubles in it because otherwise, you know, I, at least any, a lot of the games that I played, like Overwatch, I believe you got like some doubles on oh, some really? stuff. Yeah, I, I believe. I don't know. I've, again, I, yeah. I really don't play that many video games. Yeah, and I mean, like, like, you know, Hearthstone, you get doubles of certain cards that you, again, you can break those down and then, to and buy, then, buy like more Like I said, cards, realistically, but. what's the difference between that and a pack of Magic cards? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that kind of brings you to the other thing is that, I mean, is playing in a Magic tournament gamble because... Well, playing in the, because you win pack? Right. Or, I mean, in some tournaments, you win cash. But to me, if you're playing against other people and you win the money based on your performance, that's not... Yeah. I mean, if I if if I yeah, play, but then but I why is poker a, not gambling? I wouldn't say. I mean, why is poker then? Because you are. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Like you get dealt a hand. I mean, it's the same thing as like it's playing right, a game of magic yeah, or dealt a hand. There's a chance to get certain cards, right? right. So I mean, it's kind of a rabbit because, hole you can jump down. I yeah. mean, it's hard to say whether it's because if you build your deck right in magic, you don't lose. I mean, my biggest thing is why is gambling? Any like, well, I mean, it shouldn't be for adults, right? Right. And the problem is when you when you're you're also marketing content under that don't necessarily understand their decision, right? I mean, and, and but the, so that's where I'm drawing the line between what's the difference of um, microtransactions in Battlefront and letting your kid play Pokemon card game buy packs of that it's the same shit and they can win money in that I mean you can go to like a regional tournament and win like a couple hundred bucks I mean I know there's stores here locally that uh, you know they'll have a tournament where you know a top prize is like a grand, and I mean that's like it's a local tournament Star City game oh really well um, yeah I don't know I mean but so I don't think it should be I don't know. I go back and forth because there are certain things. Um, the micro, I just, I guess, from an ethical standpoint, I don't like the idea of the micro. I mean, I've never. I'd rather. I'd rather just. I mean, and I, to me, it just seems like a a cash cow. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this really good piece of content, and you're gonna love it. But you're only gonna get access to like forty percent of it. And if you want the rest, you're gonna have to buy all this other shit. That oh, by the way, kind of randomly generated. And most of most of it's stupid, but you want that really good thing, you're just gonna have to keep buying. And when all said and done, like I said, someone did the math and it was a couple thousand bucks if you had wanted to buy it. And it's like that's not cool because you've turned my sixty dollar game into six thousand dollars worth of stuff, and you've realistically increased the value. Like it didn't cost you a uh, hundred times more to make it. 
Yeah. It just didn't, you know. Um, and, and realistically, I think all video games are this. Like, if if I'm a project manager or whatever you like, and I'm budgeting to build a, to develop a game, I know that it's going to sell for six. Hmm. I know that because that's the market price. Right. Video games aren't aren't fifty five. They're not fifty. They're not seventy. They're not ninety. They're six. So that's where these things come in. Is they're trying to figure out. Okay, I know I have to sell my game for sixty dollars. I estimate that I'll sell this many copies based on last year's games. Per- so this is my revenue for this game. Right. So how do I make? How do I increase that number? Yeah, and, and I don't. You do I, it two ways. You either cut your cost, mm-hmm, or you find a way to do it. <laughs> or, right, because it's going to degrade the quality and make it a night. Or on the back end, you find other ways to get money to bring in more right. revenue, and that's where micro attractions. Microtransactions come in, so it begs the question: Have we almost cornered the market into this? as consumers? Because we yeah. expect that game to be sixty bucks. I mean, there's actually, I think there's some kind of law that makes video games sixty bucks, and that's why they've been sixty bucks forever. Really? I can't remember exactly what it is. I, like, I kind of want to look it up because I don't remember exactly why it is. But there's a re- there's a real reason, and it's not just because people will pay sixty bucks for a game. There's a legitimate reason why. I'm curious because I mean, I always just kind of assume the market drove the price, and and um, but realistically, like what I was going to say was, I'd much rather pay ninety bucks for a game. Yeah. And not have to spend microtransactions. So it says the long answer is a bit complicated and a little bit shady. The short answer is everybody needs a cut needs a cut of the profit in a post over a hate cop some of the pra- reason why pretty much every retailer in the USD nine ninety nine new video game the week of its release and that price point is come publisher and all the retailers that sell the new product stores that choose not to abide by the price agreement quickly find themselves out of favor with the publisher. Okay, so it's not a law, but it's a publisher thing uh, for future shipments. So if a big game store wants to get players in the door for next year's call of duty iteration they won't drop below the publisher guidance so that so that sets it as a minimum price and that's set by the publisher right so you in my opinion the publisher could just raise that price right i'm could have sworn that i was i was reading something it was talking about why we never see it go above well because i mean i think at this point it's because they've introduced the microtransaction or dlc right you charge 60 dollars for the game and it's 30 bucks for the dlc yeah it used to be like you'd buy the game now people so like i said that's really where this comes in is they're trying just trying to figure out ways to increase their revenue but for me i would rather pay a hundred bucks for a game or whatever and know that i have all of it mm-hmm. i understand that development costs over time have risen um and that if you're if you're undertaking this big project of something that's never been done you know sure it makes sense and it's going to cost a little more money than i mean 60 especially it's been 60 dollars since i can remember yeah i mean, I mean I, playstation I mean, even, 2 was like 50 60 bucks i mean yeah. it was in that ballpark i can't game i mean unless it was like super nintendo or something i don't know they might have. i don't know i have no idea what those retail yeah. for but um but you know what I'm saying? I feel like they're kind of shooting themselves in their in the foot because I don't think anybody would really be that upset if you just raised retail price on the game and didn't charge everybody on the back. Right? Are you looking up retail? Yeah, it's uh, I'm looking at just how much were Super Nintendo games, and it says some games were forty nine ninety nine, while others were fifty nine nine and about the so same price. Yeah. So that, so you're we're talking twenty years, twenty plus years, almost thirty. The video game prices have been the same. So Nintendo games were on average about fifty bucks. So I mean, really, I mean, it's pretty much the, been the same. So regardless of in inflation, all that stuff, regardless of the fact that development studios are hundreds of time the size, the hours that go into making Battlefield are enormous compared to the hours that go into making Super Mario. Right. But I guess now there's way more people that play video games yeah, compared you're, to you're, but, but I'm just saying that what the, it gives them an, like, there's no reason to stick to that price. No, I get it. It's that. completely understandable if you're like, yeah, they've been 60 bucks for the last 30 years. It's going to be 80 bucks now. Yeah, but who wants to be the first? Nobody. But, but, <laughs> but would it be better if you said... What if this? What if the publisher came and said, "Yeah, sorry guys, it's going to be 80, 90 bucks for this game, but it's 
There's no DLC. There's no microtransaction. We just need to make more money on the game. Right. I would respect that a million times more than somebody somebody be like, it's only 60 bucks. But by the way, this game is basically halfway finished. And if you want the rest of it, you need to spend another $40 in DLC. Oh, and then if you want all this cool extra armor and stuff, then it's going to be five bucks every time you want to, you know, it's like, come on. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I would, but I I can see why a lot of people wouldn't want to spend, you know, because some people have very limited budget, um, you know, so they might not be able to afford that extra 20 bucks. Maybe, you know, they got to wait until, you know, the next month to be able to afford deals like that. And then you've also got secondary mark, Um, you know, if everything's already included in that, um, you know, $80 $80 game, if we sell that $80 game on the secondary market, now you're not making the additional DLC money Yeah, because you, money you could potentially get someone, could you could basically, for the same copy of the game, yeah, sell I mean, the DLC multiple times. Right. Whereas, if they sold it for 80 you got everything, they would make $0. So I can see why they wouldn't want to do it from that perspective. Um, and again, you know, it's it, you're, the more people that you get to initially buy the game, the better. Right. You know, and I think that you're going to get more people to initially buy more games if they're 80 bucks and then they're I mean sorry 60 bucks and then you're gonna have it's more likely that they can buy that DLC yeah. or, or incremental things because I, I mean, mean I it, it is a lot easier I, yeah. like I said I understand from a business perspective I mean I do until EA you do something like EA with Battlefront happens and it yeah. bites you in the ass, right? right? Um, and that game flopped because of that. Um, so it's it, you got to ride that line between okay, I'm going to try and take them for everything they're worth, but I'm going to try not to piss them off too bad while I do it, right? I um, mean, I guess for me, if I was a business owner, that's just not the way I'd want to operate. I get um, that. Um, you know, I mean, it would be nice if we could not have to both things, but you know, like I said again, for a lot of you know, five bucks here and there is not going to be as bad of a hit. The eighty bucks. But up see, front. what I think ends up happening is it ends up being more of a hit. It does. I mean, in the in in that's the long the run. But I mean, that's kind of, I mean, we're, we have that culture now where we want everything now. So, oh, if yeah, but that got, doesn't mean it's correct. Right. I mean, that's all I'm saying. And, yeah. if, you know, maybe somebody can afford $5 here and five, but at the end of the day, they've end up spending 50 extra dollars. Or if they had just spent the extra 20 up front, hmm. you know, if the game, if the developer was selling it that way, they'd be, they'd save 30 bucks. No, I mean, I, like I said, I 100% get that. Um, and I, I do agree with you. But, you know, I, I, again, I see why the developers want to do it that way because, so what in we, the, in in the psyche of people it's just it's just so much easier for me to just be like well i can spend this extra five bucks you know and then and then you play the game a little bit while longer and then it's like man i really want another chance at getting <laughs> you know getting that yeah. thing I, I know i mean i get it yeah. right i do i just think it's it well it's a, if you don't have the money to spend in general trust me you don't have the money to spend on a chance yeah <laughs> you definitely don't no i get it i mean that's um, also why you know why it's kind of gamble yeah no it's i mean it's 100 percent gambling um what would be interesting though and this is what i'm what's sitting here running through my head is if we're if we're thinking that people are buying they're contributing to this type of market because they can spend five dollars here five dollars there they don't have to commit hundred dollars up front mm-hmm. um so then what i would do is if i was a game developer is here you can come to my service through my through playstation and for 10 bucks i'll let you rent this game but after that three days your life. So then instead of paying 60 bucks and letting them play the game, maybe they don't want to spend 60 bucks, but they got five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever to rent it. Guarantee you they spend more than that 60 bucks over the lifetime they're playing that game. So, so I'm not, okay, I'm not really getting it then. So, so you, you would basically just piece, you'd piece the game, you'd rent them. I mean, think about how much money Blockbuster made for the longest time because people wanted, they didn't want to spend $60 on a game, but they could spend $5 renting it for a week. Okay. So you're saying that you pay 10 bucks for three days and or then, some amount of time yeah. or some, some amount of money for some amount of time. Right. And then after that, you no longer had access to that game well i think the problem with that is though 
is that people are going to discover faster that they don't want to spend the rest of that money on that game. You know what I mean? Like, I rented games from Blockbuster all the time, and then I realized that that's not a game I ever wanted to buy. Like, the only reason I rented games was so that I could figure out what the next one I wanted to buy was. And, you know, I rented, I mean, you know, I probably rented 60, 70 games from Blockbuster. Yeah, but does does that offset? So, if we're again, we go back to, if we're looking at somebody making a, a financial decision, and they have a choice between buying something like Battlefield and something random, it's like, yeah, that might be okay mm-hmm. they'll pr- at the current market they'd probably just buy battlefield and forget about the second right in this way maybe you get five or ten dollars for somebody playing that game for whereas they would have not bought that at all i'm not saying it would work i'm mm-hmm. just saying you know it might turn i get what you're saying too but maybe it turns out a little different and you actually end up getting revenue on these games that otherwise would not be generating you revenue yeah, i get that i just think that it's such a risk doing it that way that that's probably why we haven't seen anything like it might that. there might just not be a good way to do it i mean that i mean it, it seems like there would be an easy way for them to have locks on I me. Mean, I mean, I agree. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe somebody's thought of it and there's something glaring a hole in what I'm thinking. People are willing to spend $5. Fine. Spend $5 a hundred times. Right. You know, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Or spend five dollars three or four times, and then spend six because mm-hmm. now I've just increased my profit margin. Five. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. Um, again, you know, it's just it's just such a risk. You know, again, nobody probably wants to be the first the first company to make a game, and then everybody realizes that they don't really want that game pretty early on. You know, like No Man's Sky. If everybody could have rented that game, that game would be nothing. I and mean, they've put a lot of money back into that game. You know, even though it was a terrible game to begin with, um, and it's starting to become a real game finally. You know, it's starting to turn into what it should have been well, the day they released it. Well, you still have, like, Gamefly, right? I mean, that still exists. I mean, there are still video game rental services. Do you know anybody that uses that? Red, I mean, Redbox exists. Yeah. But, I mean, Redbox. I mean, Redbox really just... I mean, I'm sure... I know some people rent video games from it, but, I, I don't know. I mean, I yeah. don't know anybody that Redbox has movies, so... Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I used to a couple years ago, but now it's like, I'll wait. They've shortened that that cycle. They've started to get smart, and they're not sitting on movies, you know? It's like, just, just going to release it, people will buy it. Um, or let Netflix have it, and people will watch it type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting concept. I don't know. Um, I just, I, the the way, especially the, the pre-orders, that's something that's been bugging me for a while um, because that's never been a thing. Yeah, especially these pre-orders where you get in on the alpha or whatever, and it's really like you are... You're actually playing what they, they... They call it an alpha, but it's actually the game. Yeah, and, well, I mean, uh, PUBG was... Right. Daisy was like that when yeah. I played that six years ago or whatever. And so you play it for like a year or two, and then they finally come out with the real version of the game, and everybody's just bored with it already, so it's like... Well, I, I never considered it the alpha. Like, right. I, like, when I was playing the game, I was playing it in its current state. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. That mattered to me that they called it alpha. I just knew that there were probably going to be, over time, some quality of life or content adjustments, mm-hmm. which was a positive. Right. So I can enjoy the game now, but then as you finish developing more stuff for it, I get to play that too. Yeah, I think the problem that I have with that is that most games don't turn it. Most games, you get a game that's buggy and it's riddled with problems. And then eventually they start fixing enough stuff that... You know, like I said, a year down the road, it's yeah. But if it's that buggy in that shitty of a game, like people aren't going to play it. That's what I'm saying. Like that. That's why the pre-order thing bugs me, and the whole the whole uh, you get you get to play in the alpha. Yeah, that early access thing really bothers because it's like you guys haven't even put out a game that is really a legitimate game, and you want to call it an alpha. Which I mean, I guess that technically is what it what it is being used as. But you're giving people this early access to this game. Well, they're funding their development cycle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but I almost rather them do that than pre-order which is like oh by the way give me the 60 bucks two months early just so you have a copy yeah. motherfucker there's going to be a copy right you think there's going to they're going to short people 
that they're not going to produce enough, well, or I can Nintendo, download maybe. it for my. Fr- <laughs> I can download it for my freaking console. I don't yeah. even need to like. You don't need a physical copy, and and so this whole idea of yeah, or pre-order it two three months early. Why? Well, because yeah, they I mean, want the revenue now. That's why I mean, GameStop's dying because they can't order, and that's the only reason that that they existed to begin with was pre-orders and used games. And used nowadays, game, yeah. people don't even really care about used games like you said you can just download it offline you could wait till you know you get xbox gold or something like that and they give you the game for free or some big discount or right you know i'm sure playstation's got something similar to yeah that. playstation plus or whatever. yeah and uh, all those old games just get really cheap online anyway you know they might as well make the money themselves instead of letting rent or a secondary market take it you're really seeing a lot of them shift towards like toys and props and stuff like that and statues and whatnot. yeah and they're gonna fail at that right yeah. i mean they that's not their market no so and the stuff well your pick it's not terrible stuff it's not a you know one quarter scale statue they're, they're painted <laughs> um so okay one of the other things we, we kind of went off on a little tangent glad we did that one um on the topic of the video games being the olympics considering video games a sport this is something we also talk about uh which is a can of worms i'm sure a little maybe a little con- are sports fans nerd and i say that's controversial because like i feel like the the stereotypical nerd community and the stereotypical sports fan community are like the antithesis right like they're just mortal enemies yeah i mean in, in you know middle school high school yeah right you got the jocks you got and the, the nerds, jocks and the nerds and, yeah and, and it's the, even you know i mean hell revenge of the nerds i mean there's plenty right. of pop culture where that's exactly what the case is yeah um so i mean what what do you think uh you know it's kind of it's kind of funny i think that i think that they do a lot of nerdy things you know with with monitoring stats and that kind of stuff but i don't know that i would really consider them nerds because i don't think that sports are really considered pop culture. i wouldn't consider them pop yeah and so my whole thing with nerds is or or nerdy things is pop culture like that's yeah, it depends on your definition. But go ahead. Yeah, so that's why I'm not really considering them as nerds. But I mean, I can definitely see why anybody would feel like a jock is a nerd. I mean, not a jock specifically, but anybody that's a big sports fan is a nerd. Because I mean, you've got guys that know every stat of every pitcher. You know, they they know you know when every record has ever been broken for any team. You know, they they watch every single game or they try to make it to every single game. You know, you got fantasy football, which, you know... (laughs) is kind of a, a funny well, a thing in itself game, right? you know really? it's it's you know you've got you've got guys playing these video games you know or are people that love to play madden nerds because they like playing video games i, I don't really know um so I, I can see either side of it i don't really consider them that because i was never really a jock i mean i played sports in high school i mean i wrestled and and played tennis but i wasn't really like a jock jock right um you know i definitely fell more into the nerd side um no, <laughs> but uh, you know, and, and so part of me doesn't want them to be considered nerds because of You're that. Protective of it, yeah. 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 So, uh, wh- what do you think? Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a you here. So, okay. according to the Oxford Dictionary, <laughs> um, a a nerd is a foolish or con- uh, temptable person who lacks social skills or is boringly stupid. Wow. Definition 1.1, which I think is a little more applicable to what we're talking, is a single-minded expert in a particular tech. Okay. So, by that definition. They are 100%. Right. Unfortunately, as much as I hate to say that, <laughs> but it's Star Wars or, or I mean, no, whatever. I, I mean, I'm kidding. Um, 
But the, the first one there, you know, um, I think it's tough because, again, I think really um, nerd, the definition of nerd from a pop culture standpoint, mm-hmm. from really just a cultural standpoint, has evolved, right? Right. Nerd, to me, describe uh, a subcategory of stuff mm-hmm. that are, you know, a person that is interested in certain things. That might be science. It might be math. If we're talking about, um, you know, boringly studious, mm-hmm. per, per the, de- the definition. Um, but it could also be, like I said, you know, like the things we talk about, Star Wars or whatever. Um, but so to me, they're not nerds in from my head definitely right. simply mean, because the things they're interested in are not ner- like are not nerdy. Right. What what we consider nerdy from a pop culture. What's interesting though is that pop culture used to not be not have anything to do with being a nerd. It didn't. You know, and that's where you had like math and science right. and, and stuff like that. Right. You know, 20 years, like 20, 25 years ago, like you're talking about the revenge of the nerds. I mean, you know, you guys, you had guys with pocket protectors and they love science and, and whatnot. I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, most of those guys probably like D and D and that kind of stuff. And well, they kind magic. of go hand in hand, right? Because it usually, um, again, someone that's boringly studious, I mean, is usually someone that is intelligent and likes intelligent intellectual thing. And I'm sorry, sports fans but running into like big guys in basically body armor running into each other on a field chasing a ball is not an electric um so i think that's where that definitely whereas D, guess what i'm making a character that has skills i have to pick there's math involved um there, there you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of things that go into that that are more intelligual and based on intelligence so what about the coach so now they're looking well, at now you're looking at strategy, intellectual right? i don't know i don't know how much coaches i'll be honest i've never really thought professional sports coaches really maybe football coaches but basketball coaches just definitely don't do anything. Yeah. Well, let's stick with football then. If you say definitely football coaches, I mean maybe they do, right? I just at a certain point it comes down to who's on. Yeah. You can pick whatever strategy you want. If you've got the best quarterback and the best whatever, like they're just gonna. It doesn't matter. The but I strategy, mean, are they necessarily just the best because they are the most talented person, or is it because they well, have the right talent around them? You know, they they have the right people picking it's those both, plays, and that's why that's why I'm on the border with this one, right? Is because I think you get to a certain point with physical skill where it's just mm-hmm. irrelevant. Because I mean, if you look at like a game like Madden, I mean, you can have you know a rate a hundred rated team, and you can play a rated seventy seven team against it, and if you are a just that much better of a player. Well, but um, it does that skill. Right, but I mean, but it's also picking the right plays at the right time, you know, and then having, you know, I, I'm not saying that that uh, you should, or that you should always win if you're you're just a better player and you, you have that big of a, a dis, uh, disadvantage, um, but you have, you are the coach of that. I mean, some of it's skill and being able to pick, you know, the plays and, and or I'm sorry, the players and being able to, you know, get the ball to the right guy. Um, but I mean, a lot of that's kind of what the coach is doing too. Um, and mo- I mean, let's be real. I mean, most guys in the NFL are skilled players. Oh yeah. So, you know, having a different coach on, you know, the Bengals or something like that. I mean, are they going to win the Super Bowl just because they have a different coach? Probably not. I mean, that's where I'm looking at it, right? But it's from all the examples, I mean, I haven't really seen, you know, in, in college or whatever, where you've got like one coach comes in and makes a huge difference. Right. It's normally like they get a bunch of good recruits and then they're good. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I think it matters to a degree. Like, you can't be a bad coach and pick mm-hmm. bad plays. But I think if you're riding that borderline of at least mediocre, mm-hmm. like, the skill of the players is what carries. Yeah. I mean, I, definitely the skill of the players is going to make the most difference. But, um, you know, I mean, especially when you get to that Super Bowl level, though, I mean, those players are going to be pretty close in skill level for the two teams that are but in are the Super Bowl. But are there mismatches in certain areas? Yeah. 
that's what I'm. That's usually what I'm. I'm looking at, right? It's right. And it's a really. I mean, obviously, it's a very complex sport because there's a lot of guys doing a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But if you have one guy, one team has a really good quarterback and a really good wide receiver, and the other team has marginally worse uh, cornerback, right? Mm-hmm. Then like you're just gonna, they're just gonna pass all over you all day. Right. It's a re- pick whatever play you want. Just because there's that mismatch in that certain area. Or for if if you have one team that has a really good running back and a really good offensive line to compared to a marginally worse defensive line. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you're just gonna ran all over all. Day. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much. I mean, it's a tiny mismatch at that level. I think, but it's all that makes a difference. Right. Because you give that one guy that opportunity, even if it's a small opportunity, he's gonna capitalize on it every time. Well, I mean, okay, so. We'll say that coaches don't make as much of a difference, which I mean, I think that they make a, I think they make a reasonable I mean, they, difference. They make a difference, right. but I just think that the, the skill of the players outshadows right. that by such I mean, a large. I agree with that, but are, but still, are they? Would we consider them nerds because they're they're putting so much effort into researching their team, the other teams, making decisions on who's going to be on the team? Um, yeah, I, I'm just so j. It's hard for me to have an unbiased. I'm like, it's stupid. They're throwing a the ball. That's but, fair. But so I'm like, you know, I'm just like, whatever, just the biggest, strongest guy with the fastest guy, like he's going to yeah. tell him to run in whatever pattern you want. So I just, maybe that's where I'm like coming at this, like, no, it's stupid. But um, I mean, I get what you're saying there, you know, yeah, they have to make decisions. There is strategy involved. They are playing more of a, a chess game. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly than anybody else involved. Right. Um, they are making those kind of decisions. Um, but, and I mean, yeah, again, I, I mean, they're just as much nerds, if not more, as a sports fan, if that's what we're, if we're considering in, intimate technical knowledge of something mm-hmm. nerdy. All right, so let's, uh, w- what do you think about Curl? think that those guys are nerds. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, you gotta, you gotta know like how many swipes or sweeps that you gotta have for that, that little rock to move a certain distance. You know, it's, it's a, it's a little bit less I'm sure about there the are actual... technical terms between <laughs> sweeps and rock. I mean, I think it is called a rock. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's not, I'm pretty sure it is called a rock, but, uh, I mean, it is a rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, but you could, I mean, you could say the same thing about most things. Rest, I mean, he's got to know all these different moves mm-hmm. and, or what about a martial artist? I mean, uh, what about an Olympic weightlifter? Does he have to understand momentum? And, I, you know, there's a lot of things. Right. Uh, you could break it down. I think the bottom line is at that level, mm-hmm. everybody is really intimate and knowledgeable about what. Right. Like I said, so but again, the, the answer is, I don't think this is really an argument. Uh, at least it shouldn't be. The bottom line is by the definition word. Mm-hmm. They are nerds. Which, as a nerd, looking respecting, at the definition. We should be respecting. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. But again, from... The pop culture definition of what they are not, no, and that's that's just kind of the at least to me that's the answer. So um, if we have any any athletes that are listening to this, give us give us what you think. No, I mean I don't care what kind of athlete you are. Let us know uh, if you think that uh, you know the people that follow your sport are nerds, or if you're. If you can consider yourself a nerd, if you're an ex- subject matter expert in your in your your uh, sport, um, and you can do that at a nerd like me media at gmail dot com. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you know, the bottom line is uh, Brandon, one of the guys we were talking with at Rec Bar, mm-hmm. despite how wrong he is about Goku, <laughs> he did make a very good point that you have these guys that are you know fan, sports fans that know every statistic of every yep. player, just like you would know every freaking rule in a Warhammer rule book. Mm-hmm. They're gonna you know in every statistic of every model in the game, right? Yeah, these sports. Sports fans know the players' stats. They know the team stats. They know 
anything you could want to know about football or yeah. base I mean to that level so i mean to me that it's really comparable it's just the subject matter that's different mm-hmm. um and like i said to me you by the definition they have to be nerds because they're doing the same thing it's just something that us nerds typically have a, a lack of interest or a bane of hate right you know um so yeah i mean but if you are if you are a sports fan i'm sorry but you can definitely write us at a nerd like me media at gmail.com and let us know what you think <laughs> or or post on the facebook link or whatever because um, this is a, a, it was an interesting topic that we talked about, and I was, as much as it pains me to, to admit it, I mean, I think that you had the art. Yeah. I mean, you know, and the thing about the nerds, it's, I mean, it has enveloped a lot of different things over the past couple, 20-something years. Yeah. Um, you know, especially with it, basically, you know, our definition is going to be pop culture. And I mean, just accepting that pop culture now is what makes you a nerd. I mean, it, that's even debatable too, but but I mean, that's a well, big again, part it's of a being a nerd. Thing, yeah. right? You could have somebody that's um, more stereotypically nerdy mm-hmm. that likes math and science and it wants nothing to do with Pokemon and video right. games, but they're still a nerd, right? Um, again, I think we're kind of warping because we consider ourselves nerds um, and because we're, we're, you know, we love these things and we're so passionate about the things that we're interested in. Right. We're kind of projecting and, and saying, no, this is nerdy. Like this is it. You can't have your fun. This right. is only, yeah. um, because I can say what I want. want. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, that's absolutely right. And also since this is our podcast, we will <laughs> uh, talk about some of the things that we've been doing. Um, and you know, some of the hobby stuff we've been doing, um, and things we've been getting into outside of the, the podcast. Yeah, there's been quite a bit of things that we've been. Yeah, we haven't really talked about this stuff in a couple weeks, I guess. Um, So what what have you been doing? So I've been working on my night haunts for Age of Sigmar. Mostly, what I've been doing is just putting them all together. There's just so many models to this army. How many do you have? Do you know? Have you like counted how many figures you're going to have? Um, not really. I mean, I put I probably put together about 120 guys. Maybe okay. maybe a little bit more than that, um, and then some of it. I mean, that's not my whole army. I mean, that's that's giving me a couple extra options, and then there's a couple things that I haven't assembled yet. So you know, the model count for my army will probably be yeah, it'll probably be about 120 different models. Okay. Um. So there's there's quite a bit to that. Um. Most now, armies most armies aren't really them. that big. Yeah. Then I got to paint them. That's that is going to be a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but luckily with the night haunts, since they're ghosts and stuff like that, and you don't have a lot of like fine details on yeah, them, not, it's like, going to be a lot of airbrushing and stuff, and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm not going to have to worry about sitting there and painting every little detail. You don't have to paint skin, which skin, you know, when oh. you're painting miniatures is it's laborious. It is. It's miserable. <laughs> and especially depending on, um, what was tough for me. So I, I guess to, to what I've been doing is I recently finished my Necromunda gang, which Necromunda is a small scale, Warhammer game, basically, more or less, where you have a gang of guys. Instead of 120, I have six. Yep. Um, so Had seven, though. Yeah, I had seven. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But, um, but yeah, so when I was painting them, you know, they're, they obviously their skin is showing on mm-hmm. some of the models. And what, was, what sucks is, like, in certain spots, their skin visible, but it's such a tiny amount. And it's still visible, so you can't not paint it. Right. I mean, it might be like down in a crevice somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fuck. I'm like, you yeah, know. You can leave it black. It's a shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it got to the point where I, I wasn't being super anal about it. Yeah. Because um, I don't think it really matters all that much. I mean, I'm not trying to win competitions with them. Mm-hmm. I want them to look good, obviously, from the tabletop. And, and when I'm looking at them, I don't want there to be like glaring problems. Yeah. But it's like if there's a spot up under something that I didn't paint that I'm never going to see unless I'm turning the model every other direction. And Yeah, you know, I generally don't paint stuff I can't see. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's where I got. But, yeah, skin, especially 
Um, the skin tones, I feel like, don't cover as well, too. Yeah, I mean, you've you got these really coats. light colors, you know, on a dark and they're base. they're kind of thin, yeah. so they, you know, they... It, I mean, the last guy I did, I think it took me three or four coats to get it, the black primer covered. Oh, wow. But, I, I mean, I, I was doing something I shouldn't have done. I didn't use the base color, so that probably didn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, I just used the layer color, which is a little thinner in the first place. Yeah, that's one thing that's interesting about the Games Workshop colors, and, you know, a lot of people give them flack about different things, but one of the things that they've done is made painting really friendly. You know, like you've got your, your base color, um, and they say it on the bottle, it says base color, and the, you so you know that that's, that's usually going to be like a slightly darker color, um, and it's, it covers, it covers really better. Well, yeah. Um, and then you got your layer color, um, which is going to be the next step. So you 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 paint your your next layer, which is going to be a slightly brighter color generally. Um, and then you've got like your shade, which is going to shadow all the all the crevices. So all the muscle detail will be shadowed. And then you usually use like a lighter layer color or even the same layer color to paint back over the skin to do another right. highlight. And then you might highlight a little bit more from there, but it's, it's pretty friendly and they have these little technical colors. I don't know if you've messed with many of the I technical yet, colors, no. but there's different, you know, there's different things like, um, I don't even know what the names of some of them are like typhus corrosion is this kind of weird gritty paint. Um, and it adds like texture so that it looks like, you know, metal is kind of like, um, bubbling up, oh, okay. you know, from corroding, basically. Um, right. You know, there's um, some kind of um, rust colors. Yeah, I mean, I use um, the uh, the rust that you let me borrow mm-hmm. on the bases of, of my guys, and it, yeah. it turned out pretty good. I thought, you know, it looks decent. Yeah. Um, it's hard, though. You know, what's interesting is um, it's tough to draw the line between, like, what's too much and what's not enough. Mm-hmm. Because you use too little, and it's like it's not adding enough, mm-hmm. like, to even be worth it. I and mean, then you add a little too much, and it's just almost, like, overpowering. Yeah. there. Um, I mean, it is hard to draw that line. Um, one thing that I like to do um, when I actually do get around to painting is look at some some references and i know like it seems like it's obvious oh well you know i know what that looks like but when you have references in front of you you pull it up on your phone you know what is what does rust really look like well, on, I know, and that's on like thing. a plate is or something that, like that and you you kind of get some of the proportions yeah yeah and that's what i mean to be honest it was kind of interesting because they did it backwards to how i would have done it how i actually did it if you look at the games workshop models for my gang they painted the rust on all the high points mm-hmm. and i did it hmm. backwards because in my, I mean, I'm in a lot of rusty places all right. the time. Yeah. Um, and it's always in a crevice. It's always in a hole. It's always bolts. So, like, there's little bolts that are we're in the yep. floor, and it's like every single one of those I put rust on. Because mm-hmm. in the real world, a lot of times your nuts or your bolts are not corrosion-resistant metals. Yeah. Whereas your bigger materials might be. So you have a bolt that rusts before the, the floor plate that yep. it's in. Um, or you have, like, down in a crevice where the water would settle and sit. That's where you'd see the rust. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I tried to do, and then I just looked, I thought it was funny. I looked at them, and I'm like, well, that's exactly backwards of how I did it. Yeah, that is kind of weird, because <laughs> I never really noticed that about it. It still looks good models, on theirs, yeah. um, but, you know, it's just, like I said, from the way I tried to do it, I tried to replicate it as, as um, well as I thought I could, mm-hmm. you know, with, with kind of how I thought rust would, would form on a floor like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're also going to have uh, some of the high spots are going to have a little bit more rust. You know, somebody has water on their shoes or something like that, and they keep tracking it and you know it settles on a a high point you are going to have some but i agree with you i mean for the most part it's going to be it's going to be in the cracks and stuff like that because that's where 
water tends to settle is the lowest point yep. that it can reach. Um, so that's interesting that they did it the opposite. Maybe it was just for aesthetics that it just kind of looked it, it better. It does look yeah. good. I'll, I'll give them that. I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, that doesn't make sense at all, but it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> and really, that's all that really matters is that it looks good. In the yeah. End, so um, maybe I need to go back and redo it. But um, no. Uh, but yeah, so we we um, I finished painting that gang. Um, before I got finished, though, I had played. So I joined up a campaign that uh, Chris and a few of his friends are playing. Um, and to give you the cool thing about Necromunda, guys, is if you guys do play video games, especially RPGs, um, that's basically how this works: is you have a certain number of credits, you buy um, your gang members and their weapons with the credits, and then over time through the campaign, you play games, you get more credits. Um, which you can then, and you get experience points. Each of your guys get experience points, so you can upgrade their abilities, you can mm-hmm. upgrade their stats, you can upgrade um, your weapons, and you can buy more people. So it's kind of like you're playing a, an RPG right. um, to a certain extent. Um, so, anyways, in the first game, I played Chris for the first game, um, and it's it, he took no mercy on me. Um, so <laughs> the gangs have ratings based on the amount of credits that all their stuff is worth. So. My since you start with a thousand credits, my gang rating was a thousand. Yeah, I think yours was sixteen hundred something. Yeah, something like that. So he was sixty percent stronger, more well equipped than I was. Yeah, um, he did give me the the benefit of the doubt that I'm not sure at this point that it actually worked out in my favor. But we picked a scenario that um, was basically ambush and was supposed to give me the upper hand. <laughs> but based on the strengths of Chris's gang, I don't know that that's actually what what happened. Um, well, that's fair. <laughs> I tried to see the problem is is you just rolled really crappy most of the game and like it even it started at the very beginning of the game because remember I like a couple times or well well you got the initial so you got to place all your stuff anywhere on the board that you wanted so that I mean that's going to be a big advantage it is and then the other thing was you got to ac- activate D three so you know one out of three uh, chances to on a like a. Say a three-sided die, but it's 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 a one and a two is a one, a, a three and a four is a two, and and so on. Um, so you had a random chance to be able to activate several guys before I got to activate it all. And, of I course, we go to the roll and you roll a one. So it's like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> here, here we go. Um, and then your guns kept jamming. Yeah, I ran out of ammo. You know, so it's like, you know, I tried to show mercy, but uh, eventually you just got to put them down to sleep. It. Yeah. You know. yeah. But anyway, so the, the ultimate outcome of that game was that um, and this is another RPG kind of um, way that the game is played is that if your guy dies in the game, if he's taken out of action, you roll to see what happens to him. Um, and you can, if you roll really well, he can actually get experience. Yeah, he can get like he, like he learned learn from, from his pr- mis- yeah. mistake, right? Um, or if you roll really poorly, they can be seriously injured or even die. Yeah. So I rolled so poorly with the guy that he took out of action that he was seriously injured and he was going to die. Um, and then I had the option um, when that happens to somebody, you can take them to the, to a doctor, which costs credits. Um, so at this point, I started the game with zero credits. I got ninety credits for playing the game. Yep. Um, and then. Oh, which also, I would have gotten more credits, but because the guy Chris took out was one of my, my champions, I didn't get the role to get credits for him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you get one leader and you get two champions, and, and the benefit is um, the champions and leaders can activate multiple people. So when you go on your turn, you can say, I activate my leader, I can activate two guys within three inches of them. So I can basically um, do something with three guys before Chris can do something with his guys, mm-hmm. which... 
depending on the situation, could be an advantage. Um, so he took out one of my champions. So now I'm, I'm down one of my main three guys. And also at the end of the game, your champions and your leader can go work the gang turf and make money. So you you basically get to roll a dice for each one of them. And I was so I, I lost thirty percent of my dice. Yeah. So so not only did he kill one of my guys, he killed my champion, which means I'm at a ta- like a tactical disadvantage during the games. Um, but then also I got less money for the game. And then so basically I could take this guy to the doctor. I had ninety credits. It cost me eighty credits to take him to the doctor. So that's what I decided to do because I figured it was worth the gamble to potentially save one of my most important guys lives right um and then so i rolled a d6 right one through six five and six are probably he's fine yeah five or six like two he just three takes and four like he's in recovery like that. yeah which means he just skips a game and then one he dies yeah. i roll a one so <laughs> so a horrible start to the first first game of this i've ever played with these guys um turned out terribly um and then i went on to play my second game and i also lost um Again, a scenario that's supposed to put me into the advantage, but realistically didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, because So my gang is particularly strong in melee combat, um, and the two gangs, which happen to be actually both Chris and this, the other person I played, both played the same gang, are very strong at uh, ranged combat. Um, so basically, if I get in a position where we're shooting at each other, I'm going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened um, Both in both scenarios. I couldn't get close enough to do any damage, really. I did some damage um, in the second game, but uh, the first game, I couldn't get close enough. And then um, in the second game, I was just I was a shooting gallery, basically. It was going to turn out really badly. So another one of my guys got taken out of action, but luckily this time he was just in recovery. So he's, he skips a game. He'll come back the next game. No, no problem, really. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's been fun so far, but uh, it's not been a <laughs> that kind of a rough go. Um, one of the nice things about that game, though, is it, it gives you, like, a taste of some of the Games Workshop games. You know, it's a nice, like, gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, no, get it's into fun. Some of the and other and things. it's simpler. Yeah. You know, you don't have to memorize the rules for 120 guys. You yeah. know, obviously, they don't have 120 different individual rules, but a lot of those guys will have different rules. So you don't right. have to, you know, memorize a bunch of different rules. You don't have to memorize a bunch of different rules for somebody else's army that has basically the same hmm. kind of quantities. Um, you have cards for your guys, so you know what you know what all your guys have, and it's right in front of you. You're not having to look dig that through up. a book because yeah. I mean that's pretty much what happens if you're playing a game of Warhammer. So um, yeah, until you become familiar enough with it. But yeah, I mean starting out, I mean it's it's a low barrier barrier to entry, uh, especially. Price wise, it's not a very expensive game to get into. Um, you just got to buy a couple books, a gang, um, and some. You know, if you already have dice, you don't really need other dice. I mean, you you probably should buy the their dice because the they're. Andrew but dice. you can. I mean, but you can. It actually says in the rule book what they are. Yeah, you can use a, a d6 and 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 compromise with all those. Yeah, so it's not not too bad but uh you know it's it's a really fun game to start out with if you and your friends have been considering it there's a starter box that comes with two different gangs it comes with two sets of dice it comes with some terrain. everything you need to play yeah. yeah it comes with the rule book um but if you want to do like a campaign you got to buy a different book i mean there's a lot of books that you have to buy for this game um but they're not terribly expensive um and you don't have to have them if you don't want to play like a campaign if you guys just decide that you like just playing straight up battles and you don't want to level up your guys you don't have to do all that stuff. no yeah we're definitely because um, i mean it requires a lot of effort to do that but yeah. yeah the game would be fun and just a small 
single serving kind yeah. of format, just like a board game. Yeah, really. exactly. Just like a board game. And I think there's extra scenarios in it um, so that you can play it just like a board game. Yep. And it comes with these little tiles that you can set up and little terrain. It tells you how to set up the board, what, uh, what guys should be equipped with and everything. So you can play it just as you know a little pickup game or to teach a friend how to play a game yeah i mean the first game i really played was one of those where yeah. we used basically we played the starter box yeah and um, i mean those are, those are pretty fun i mean the it seems like the goliaths have a little bit of an advantage in that um just because it's kind of more close quarters but it doesn't mean that you can't win with, with i don't Asher know man games. those gas weapons are brutal. yeah i mean there's I mean, the Escher are definitely nothing to be, you know, scoffed at. And they have but, cats? Uh, Did I, do I understand they have cats? The Escher? I, thought, I think they do. I think they do have, like, a cat. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to need to play them, probably. Yeah. I've got a bunch of them, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just bought the starter box. <laughs> I know. I, I, honestly, they've got two sitting at Cardinal, and in all likelihood, at some point, I'll just buy one. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're definitely, it's definitely worth it if you're going to use either of the gangs. Well, I, I think, think Cassidy, you know, she's mentioned interest in playing... Mm-hmm. Or in painting. Yeah. So I can let her paint the Eschers or whatever. I'll get another uh, group of the Goliath guys so I can make more models. Mm-hmm. Winner if I ever get to buy more gangers. I don't know at this point. but um, And just having the rule books and the templates and yeah. whatever will be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a PDF of the rules, a transcription of the rules. Um, but still, it's nice to have the book when you're referencing to yeah. sit there and have a certain page open or whatever when you're playing. Um but yeah, so that I mean that's uh, that's that. I haven't. I bought a bunch of Warhammer stuff, but I have not even opened any of it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think you've talked. Have you talked about um, what your Age of Sigmar army is going to be or anything uh, like that? I can't remember if you I you might have mentioned it, but no, yeah, we talked maybe briefly. Um, so I decided on uh, well, for one, we were first talking about whether or not we were going to play 40k or play Age of Sigmar back yeah. when we first talked about Warhammer. Um, but since then, we've decided on Age of Sigmar. There's a bunch of people up at Cardinal Gaming that play Age of Sigmar. Um, so, and we like hanging out there. So we figured, you know, just do what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and plus, I think you haven't played Age of Sigmar. So I think probably you're a little interested in playing something yeah. you haven't played mm-hmm. before. Um, but yeah, so I decided on an army called Sylvaneth, which are basically um, tree people. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better way to put it. Awesome looking tree people. Yeah. The, the <laughs> models are really cool. Um, they have some really cool rules. Um, they're not necessarily the the on face value, not the best statistically. I don't think um, they're not the strongest. They're certainly not weak. Yeah. Um, but they're not you know outstanding at melee combat, or they're yeah. not outstanding. They just synergize at, really. Well. Yeah, they do. And and so the the reason that I picked them really um, is because the rules allow for um, really adaptive play. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can strategize well, I don't think there's a whole lot I can't go up against and do well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so th- they have um, basically part of the army is um, these things called wild woods, which are basically like these enchanted woods that I get to set up around the battlefield in different ways throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they allow my models to move in between them very quickly so i could potentially move a unit across the board in one turn versus it taking three turns right um they also deal damage to enemies nearby if he if if people are casting spells near them you kind of piss off the magic trees and they kind of lash out at you um the weeping willows yeah smack you (laughs) it it reminds me of fangorn forest in lord of the rings right it's like don't make the forest angry um and, uh, you know, they also provide, if you move through them or charge into them, they, they are, uh, can deal damage that way. They give my units bonuses, I think, if I'm near them or in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of cool rules like that um, that just, again, make it 
kind of cool to adapt to every scenario. Um, the way I can set the army up, I can I can cast a bunch of spells and um, do some dirty things if I really want to. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you know. It's it, so it'll be interesting because it's not you know some of the things that I, I wanted I wanted to avoid um, was picking an army that was just like either straight up all right my entire purpose is I'm gonna get close to you charge you and melee you yeah or I'm just gonna sit back here in a corner and shoot at you yeah that can that can definitely get pretty boring just having one one singular purpose strategy. yeah um, and I feel like you know chaos specifically corn like that's it that's all they're doing yeah like they're gonna try and charge and and get into melee like it's not even like fluffy for them to go grab objectives like their their objective is to kill to go kill everything <laughs> yeah yeah which is cool in a lot of ways right yeah and when i was considering playing demons and in, in warhammer 40k it was the strategy that i would be using is not that right it would be very adaptive to where it would allow me to be strong in melee and range combat and and depending on the situation use certain abilities and put units on the board and stuff mm-hmm. in different ways um they're didn't. fast too because you can like transport through the woods and some of your guys actually enough, yeah. just move really quickly and do they? I, I don't know your, that they do. I think some of your guys are kind of the kinda the, the ancients are really slow. I know that are they? Mm-hmm. I think the dryads for like regular infantry are kind of fast. Like they might not be super fast, but I think that they're faster than like most. Okay, foot. Infantry. But yeah, I mean, and I can you know there are certain spells that let me heal my big units or replace units like models that I've lost to a unit of mm-hmm. my foot soldiers. So um, there's a lot of cool stuff that can happen, but. Um, yeah, I haven't. If it's all sitting in the box, I haven't even started. I'll probably start Friday. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my next question: is if you're, if that was your plan for Friday? Yeah, it is. Um, that's the only thing I really have. You know, I don't have. That's the next thing I need to do. So yeah. um, I've got the stuff. I'll probably start working on their bases on Friday. Yeah. Um, and so you picked up another Gundam too. I did. Yeah. So I was at Cardinal Game. I kind of spent too much money there. Um, <laughs> But I was there, and they had just gotten in there a really big shipment of Gundam models. Um, and I'm a huge Gundam fan. I've, I've loved Gundam since the 90s. Um, I've built models since I was probably 10. Um, so I had bought one probably a year or two ago, and I built it um, just the old, standard old RX-78, the classic Gundam. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, and I'd always wanted something to go with him, one of the Xeon mobile suits, one of his enemies, basically. Um, and I, I, I bought one a while ago, but like one of the, the small little tiny pieces on the sprue was broken. And I wasn't sure how to fix it. Morning. Yeah, so I, I, I just kind of stopped. I got, I mean, I think his legs are built. And I was like putting some, it was, there's supposed to be these heat pipes on, it's a Zaku. So if you know the, the heat pipes on mm-hmm. his leg, it's like around his, his uh, head. Yeah. That, so it's like the... The way it works in this model is kind of cool. It's like two little prongs, and you put like a, a cable or like a tube in between yeah. them, and slide the little um, like beads all over it to mm-hmm. give it the, the appearance. But the thing that the the tube slid onto was broken. Oh, okay. so there was, and it was so small that I was like, I don't even think I could glue that together. Maybe you could put a pin in there. I mean, maybe, but it was. I mean, it's been so long. At this point, it just yeah, it's really sitting matter. in a box, and so I bought another one. So. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I looked through the stuff that they had, and, and I saw one that I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like this one. Um, so I bought that, and I ha- again, it's sitting in the box, too. I've been so busy trying to paint that Necromunda gang that I haven't w- really worked on anything else. Yeah, but. I still haven't decided what I want to be my first one. I think, I think I'm going to stick with the Mega Size one, like, is my first one. I think maybe the RX-78 and Mega Size, and then if I get the RX-78 and Mega Size, I might have to get a Zaku. And you Mega have to. Too. I mean... So I'm hoping Cardinal can come through and, and pick find, find me one of those. I don't really want to order one offline. I'd rather pick up one from them and, you know, 
Um, I mean, they're so Have iconic, you asked? anyways. Yeah, I, I asked him, and he said he was going to look into it. So, mm-hmm. so hopefully, hopefully, we'll see him here soon. They got the unicorn again. I know I keep complaining about it being pink, but it's. I know it's not supposed to be pink, but, but every time I pink. look at it, it's, well, it's like the same super thing. Pink. You know, um, Char Zaku. I hate it because in the and even in the anime it's kind of pink. Yeah. So I get the reason it's pink. But like if you watch like um, the origin or you look at some of the video games, it's like legitimately red. Yeah. And I'm like that looks awesome. Mm-hmm. But then you get the plastic model and it's like freaking pink, and I'm yeah. like this is stupid. It's that kind of like like I don't. Know, it's not even like a cool looking pink either. No, it's like I mean it looks like pale, when, you, when like, you wash a white t-shirt and a red yeah. t-shirt together, yeah. and you take the white t-shirt out and it's like this faded ass pink. Yeah. That's the pink of Sharzaku in, in models, and I hate it. I can't stand it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you you will definitely have to paint it if you get one of those. Yeah, I think the one the, the mega size is the, one of the green ones. I think they have a red mega size, too, but I think that one's more rare or something. Because when I saw them online, they were much more expensive than okay. the other ones. So I don't know if that was like a limited edition run. Or, I or whatever, highly but. doubt it. I mean, that's like the two most iconic mobile suits in Gundam. The red one? Sharzaku and RX-78. Oh, okay. I mean, those are kind of like the two, yeah. you know, main, the main villain and the main hero. So, right. Um, yeah. You know, I'm interested to see what it turns out looking like, though. I think hopefully you don't just get halfway through it and let it sit. Because I think it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. Especially because to, to I, your I do standard, want to paint it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see, the standard that you're looking to build it, it's not going to be, you know, I could probably build that model in a, in a couple hours. Right. Um, but um, the, what you're talking about doing is, you know, it's going to be a project. And the other thing with that is it's like, if I'm going to paint it, do I want to glue everything so that it's, you know, like, do I want to put it in one pose and leave it in that pose? Because if I don't, then you're going to have Ooh. issues with, you know, moving it, moving it and it's scraping the paint. Um, you know, because some of those parts have such tight tolerances that I could see it just screwing up all of the paint and it just won't even look good if you tried to, you know, use it right. as an action figure. Well, I, I would... For what you're doing, I would pick a pose and glue yeah, it because I think it'll I'm look thinking. better as a display. I mean, I think it's different if you want to transport it and pose it differently, but it's like, eh. Yeah, and so the other thing with that is is that if I'm going to glue it, do I paint it like on the sprue? Do I put it completely together well, into you that really pose paint it and on paint the it? Screw, right? Or on the sprue because you'd have to clip it off after you paint it. Which well, yeah, but I mean, do you, so... I mean, I guess it doesn't specifically have to be on the sprue. I see a lot of people that do paint those on the sprue, and I guess they just touch them up a little bit. But I think that's a but, dumb way to do it. But either way, like, paint it in parts or put it completely I together paint and paint it. in it. parts. Yeah, it just seems like a real pain. I mean, it, painting it all together is going to be a pain, too, because you have to mask The only thing off. that would be hard, and I guess you'd have to label all the parts on the backside or something, is their number. Yeah. Because if you take them all off the sprue... Then you have no idea how to like look through. I mean, you could by shape, I guess, and size kind of mm-hmm. tell what each piece is. But some of those pieces are probably going to be small and pretty intricate. Right. So I wouldn't want to be like, is this the right one or which one am I looking for? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's another reason I'm kind of thinking about starting with the mega sizes because they're bigger. So they'll match the rest of my collection. And then they're also they also seem a lot more simple than the other ones. Like, they're yeah, bigger, there's not a ton of detail. But yeah, there's not a whole lot of you're not, extra there's not pieces pistons and, and yeah. tubing and all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. Because um, so, a lot of the, the perfect grades and master grades even are really detailed. Yeah. And Mike White was showing me some of the LED kits on the perfect grades and i mean i was like man that's that's pretty sweet you could do that in the in the mega size i'm sure 
Yeah. I mean, it might there might not be a kit, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's just an LED light up in his head. Right. So I mean, he you know there's there's got to be enough room up in that big ass head. Right. To put an LED or two behind the eyes. And so do just, you would would you just cut out the eyes and just? No, you would put it behind the eyes because the eyes are probably going to be a tra- like a translucent plastic. Oh, do they do they come like that? Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's and, cool then. I would think. Um, yeah, if, I probably I probably will add LEDs then if that's the case. If you can just do it like that, because I mean I bought kits online where you just get like a coin battery and it's got a little yeah. flick switch on it and it's just yep. a single LED. So that'd be. And if you put it up in the head, I mean you can always take the head back off and go up in there and do whatever you need to do. Right. It's not like it's permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do. I think it'd be cool. I can't imagine putting that much work into it. And I mean, for as simple as that's got to be, out it, yeah. it will add that next level to it. What right? I would really like to do is see if I can do one where I can plug it into the wall because that would be even more preferable. Because then I can plug it in, and then when I flick on the switch from my game room, the lights are automatically light up. Like it's it's cool to have light up features, and occasionally you would show like somebody like, hey, look, you know, you can flick right, the switch and turn on. Yeah, why but if it automatically. Oh, I'm sure you can. I'm just saying that it might be more work to to do it that I'll way, trying to figure that out. It's but easy. but uh, I think I mean, that's what that's the route I'd like to go is just so that as soon as I turn on the lights, then they just, light up with it. Yeah, it shouldn't be. It's 120 volt power. You might have to get it down to DC, but that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Okay. Well. Um. Yeah. That's. That can't be hard. I mean. Yeah, I can't imagine it is. I'm, I mean, there's so much stuff with like trains and. Well, that's what I'm saying. Whatnot, it's so. it's a. You know, you just get like a power brick that's a AC to DC converter, mm-hmm. and then it's just two wires, power and ground, and it should run right to your LEDs. Yeah. Well, there we go. I mean, it's just a matter of splicing the wires and making it look good or running it up through the model or however mm-hmm. you're... The, the problem's going to be getting the wire to the head. Right. Without it just like draping out the back of his head. Yeah. Or down the back. And down with, his back. with it being the mega size and having less detail, there's probably a lot of hollow space inside of it, too. Probably. So, so I don't think it's impossible. You just have yeah. to... You know, while while you're building it, just kind of pay attention to that and figure out how to do it. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, so, oh, also Cardinal. So we were at. Uh, thanks for everybody that came out Monday. Yeah, it was uh, a heck had, of a turnout. Yeah, Monday. it was Labor Day, and I'm sure maybe that played part of it. But uh, there was a ton of people there um, playing Magic, and I had a lot of fun. Also, very frustrating, but a lot of fun. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it's kind of it's good and bad. We have a, kind of a big mix of in our play group of. Um, like basically, I don't want to say skill level. That's the wrong way to put it, but that's true. Also, yeah. it's familiarity with the game. It's not necessarily skill, but mm-hmm. um, people that are very new um, and people that have been playing for years and years and years. Um, but on top of that, is there's also variance in that, but there's also a big variance in um, basically the power level of everyone's decks. Right. So you know, uh, obviously, the people that are newer might have a pre-constructed deck with maybe twenty or thirty dollars worth of cards extra added into it. Um, to where I mean, someone we played with had a twelve hundred dollar deck. Yeah. So I mean, that's it. You know, at the, at the at the end of the day, guys, the unfortunate truth is you're only as good as your deck to a certain degree. <laughs> and and to be blatantly honest, the more money you spend on the deck, the better it's going to be. Right. Um, at a certain point, you know, there is a big point, in my opinion, of diminishing returns. Oh, there's a huge point in diminishing returns. Yeah. But but the bottom line is, the more value that's in that deck, the better it's. I mean, gonna there's be. a reason that expensive cards are expensive, and it's because they are They're good. the more yeah. powerful cards. They're more efficient. You know. Yeah. I mean, I you know, it's just it's one of those things where there's no point to spend three hundred seventy dollars on a on a land on a volcanic island. No, there's just not. I mean, if yeah, if you're playing at a top level, a competitive level, I can understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just playing casually, like yeah, that's a good card. But you're better off spending three hundred twenty dollars or whatever it was on other cards. Right. You just are. Yeah. I mean, um, and you'll never be able to convince me otherwise. I mean, 
because um, you know the, the biggest thing is people always say well the first thing you need to do is upgrade your mana base and add these shock lands and these fetch lands and i'm like dude i'm not spending 300 on lands no i mean yeah it's better it's better i get it but i will have more fun playing this deck putting cards that actually do something mm-hmm. versus letting me have the mana i need a turn earlier or 10 percent more efficiently or whatever that that difference is. um so i mean i get it but it's you know from a, a practical perspective i don't think it's worth it at all yeah i mean yeah i mean if, if you're working on a budget you definitely don't want that's what i'm saying right I mean, you know, we're, we're talking with people, obviously, on this our, our audience, if they're considering playing Magic. I just don't want them to go talk to somebody else and they're like, oh, we got to spend $300 on these lands and then you right. need this, all this stuff. And it's like, you just don't. Yeah, you definitely don't. Have I mean, to. if you're if you're in the ballpark where you want to spend a few hundred dollars on a deck, which I think is reasonable if you enjoy playing the game. Because and I'm gonna say that because these cards have lasting value. Yeah. You're it's not, not, you're not it's spending not, 200 bucks and then never getting that money back. Right. I mean, you could literally almost... I mean, in most scenarios, at least break even, if not make a little bit of money when you go to sell. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where I, that's where I look at it is this is just a temporary invest. I'm I'm putting this money aside, but it's not really lost. Right. I mean, to be honest, I may just and when I'm done playing, I may just let, let those cards sit in the closet. Yeah. I mean, I some mean, of for, them I would probably go ahead and sell. Um, but well, like stuff like I mean, if you do ever pick up any shock lands or something like that, like yeah, those keep are that stuff. Gonna, it, you know, keep lands, value. lands are definitely things that if you are going to keep cards that you you Wanna hang keep. on to because lands don't often get reprinted. Um, They're reprinting the shocks. Yeah, they are reprinting the shock. Um, but they don't often get reprinted. I mean, they've been reprinted like twice, twice in the last <laughs> I don't know six, eight years, something like that. Um, but they're also they also tend to be the most powerful cards. Well, I'm sorry, powerful is not the most efficient cards in a deck, so they're going to be more expensive cards. Right. Um, but yeah, those are the kind of cards you want to hang on to, and uh, you know, any big staples that. Uh, Sylvan Library yeah. or Tutors. I right. mean, you know, that kind of stuff is never going to go down in value. Yeah. Every Some of the creatures and is, stuff like that, that just that really just depends. Like, creatures are often... Because they're cyclical, right? Sell. Yeah. Because they're going to come in and out of popularity, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, like, somebody wins a tournament with one creature or one commander oh, yeah, or whatever. I mean, it spikes. That, that's I mean, going to go up 200%, yep. you know? Um, so, yeah, that's a little hard to predict. But I think you're right. Your value cards, your, your staple cards, I mean, just... Just keep them. Yeah. Um, at least for me, I don't. I'm probably not going to be at a point where I'm like, I need the two hundred dollars. So it's like I don't lose anything by letting the card sit. And if right. in a year or two they're worth more, I, you know, why not? Um, but yeah, you know, we have such a wide um, demographic in our play group. I, you know, I, I like. I think people still have fun and people keep coming back. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think it honestly, at least the way it works for me is, I never got frustrated when that stuff happened. Like when I played somebody that was better that had a better deck it always like i always walked away from that going all right so how can i make my deck better yeah like how can i okay he did these things how can i go against those things Mm -hmm. how can i make it you know um it's it's motivating it's more fun for me because i'm like oh this is you know i don't think it's fun to be on the top it's more fun to climb the hill to be on top of the hill yeah i mean it's fun to be on top of the hill it's not fun it's not fun to learn on lose on turn three though well there's certain ways that (laughs) you don't really play sometimes you just don't really learn anything off of that no you don't um, and I, I understand that. And that's a whole different level, right? right. I mean, um, you know, even though I've built decks, I've tried to keep them away from that, yeah. like, instant win kind of condition. Or my turn takes 10 minutes and yours takes 10 seconds. Right. Um, because I just, again, unless you're playing other people that are doing that, like, the bottom line is you're going to win. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just it, there's no even guess to it. No, it's kind of it's kind of boring when you're the guy at, at the very top and you're just always winning. You don't want to be you don't want to be that guy because then there's no challenge. And then what's that's you know, what's that's the, the fun point? part for me is you know winning is fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's fun to be cha- to like I don't walk away proud if my deck was so much better than everybody else's they didn't have a chance right i walk away proud when i'm like all right that was competitive yeah that was really close and i made good decisions and i got to come out on top because of it or it was fun because i topped you know i drew the card exact card i needed when i needed it Mm -hmm. and that's what won me the game kind of thing that's fun to me not oh well it doesn't really matter what happens because i'm going to draw this card and then i'm going to draw this card and i'm going to go look for whatever card i need and those cards are going to let me do all this other stuff i mean it's just like okay you win right you know what I mean? It's like, that's not fun to me. Um, in the competitive scene, I get it because that's the way it has to be played. Mm-hmm. You don't really have a choice, right? Because yeah. everybody else is going to do that. Right. So you're dumb not to. But And I mean, you're already in that mindset that you're playing at that level. So, right. you know, that's why I just, you know, I used to love being competitive and it's just not really, it's just not really a priority for me anymore. You know, I had my fun doing that kind of stuff and now I'm retired, so to say. <laughs> yeah, Because no. <laughs> he keeps buying more and more games and, right. and stuff. Um, I'm not playing them competitively. Yeah. I mean, I, and part of the fun for me, honestly, is building a deck. Yeah. I've come to find out that that's like... I mean, you spend of, so much more time building the deck than you do actually playing the deck. Yeah, usually. <laughs> or, like, you know, making those considerations and stuff. You know, you can spend... I mean, you can spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure out, like, what the next deck is that you're going to play and, you know, what cards that you want to have in it. And then after you play a couple games, you're like, all right, well, this this card wasn't really that useful, so I need a couple other cards that, you know, will get me to what my end goal is. You know, I need some ramp. That's always the most <laughs> the most common thing. Usually, like, I, yeah. I, like, it's like, dang, I didn't have enough ramp in that deck. I need to be well, able to get there and faster. And that's really, like, you guys, if you... If, when Chris is talking about efficiency of a deck, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Is, you know, ramp, which is basically getting the lands you need when you need them yeah. more quickly, generally. Or um, just having cards that, that proxy as lands. You know, you have, like, these little elves, elves that'll count, like, as one, yeah. you know. Or, or, or your artifacts, yeah. you know, soul rings, stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, so, I mean, yeah. And, and really, that's the biggest difference every time you pl- I've played a, a real top-tier deck. That's what it boils down to is those top-tier decks, instead of winning on turn 7 or 8, they're winning on turn 3 or 4. Right. And it's because on turn 1 or 2, you look at their board and they've got 5 or 6 things there. Yeah. And you look at everybody else's and they've got, and I've played a land. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm lucky, i played a land and a soul ring or a land and a one-drop creature or something. Yeah. You know, but for the most part, I mean, especially like the decks that I have, like the first three turns, I'm not doing shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's really the difference, right? As you look at somebody else's that's got a high tier deck is really efficient. It's like, how do you have all that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even had enough time yet. And some people just always get lucky. Like I've never had a soul ring on turn one. But it seems like every time I come to a pod, somebody has a, a turn one soul ring. Aaron, I'm like, what the Aaron always ever? has. Aaron needs to learn how to shuffle, I think. <laughs> uh, Cassidy's bad about that, too. Yeah. Um, how do you, how? How do you have a mana rocker or soul ring every freaking game? Um, <laughs> every time I get, like, like I get an Elvish Mystic, which is the little, you know, mana tap for dork, one yeah. green mana dork. Like, every time I have them, I don't have a green mana in my hand to be able to play them on turn one. I'm just like, all right, well. It's going to be like this. Then. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's always um, the the hardest decision of any game I ever play is whether to keep that first hand. Yeah. I feel like I never get that hand where I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. It's always like, 
Yeah, Commander is that way because I mean you got a hundred a hundred cards and they're all different, you know. So yep. it's like you know it's it's hard to have a good a good synergized hand. Whereas like if you're playing you know uh, standard or something like that, you, you, you got a play each card, set. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like you're, you're gonna, almost looking for this. I mean, realistically, I'm assuming at a competitive level, like you're looking for a very specific opening hand. Yeah, or at least a. a a hand that has a curve to it you know you're you're building up instead of you you never want to have like a turn two where you're not playing anything right. you know um whereas in commander you can kind of get away with i mean I you, really you still do don't anything. really want to but you you can get away with not playing anything on like turn two you know yeah um if you're just building your mana base or something like that you know you don't always have to have a two drop so yeah um but it's uh so i i, I built a deck um, and I've, I've been playing it for the last two or three, we- three weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I used a new commander, um, and I started out, because he is one of, um, he's not a tier one commander, but he's a tier one and a half commander. So he's very competitive at the high level if you build the deck that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started out, I didn't want to build it that way. I was like, I want to keep this fair. I don't want to make it too bad because, again, our play group is not super competitive. Um, but we kept playing, and... Uh, Every time I played, I was like, "Man, it's just it just needs some more stuff. It's not it's not there yet. Right. I'm still really susceptible to this. Mm-hmm. I'm losing because of this." So I, and I was like, "All right." I added a couple cards, and I add a couple cards, and then finally got to the point where I was like, "Screw it!" <laughs> I just like put all the bad stuff in it, and um, <laughs> and now it's no fun to play against most of the time. Right <laughs> now you're the, now you're no, the I'm guy. Not, no, I'm cool. not. I'm not necessarily that guy. But, um, <laughs> which is why I'm again looking at another deck. I'm like, this will be great as a reserve, just in case I need to be that that guy. Right. But um, it's yeah, it's getting to the point where like it was funny. I played Jose, and um, Jose is a very re- he's a regular upper cardinal. Uh, we played one on one commander while we we're waiting for everybody to show up, and uh, he's working on his deck for the league that they're having up there. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I won on like turn two or three. Jeez. I mean, I ha- I had that like it was a good hand. Yeah, and <laughs> it was just like I mean, you just his face when I was like, yeah, and I, and I played a card, I was like, and I win, and he was like, <laughs> he picked up the card and read it, and he was like, looked at my other cards, and he he was just like, this is stupid. Like you yeah. see in his face, he's like this is ridiculous. I was like, all right, that was the moment I was like, all right, this is probably not going to go well today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I'll probably end up building another one just to have something fun because to be like I said, it's it's fun to me too because. Um, similar to like if you're playing a video game and you pick a different class, mm-hmm. that's what you're doing when you're playing a different deck. Yeah. The only unfortunate side is to get a good one. You're, you're talking a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. That's that. It that's adds up very quickly, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, I want to build a deck, and five hundred dollars later. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think that's probably what I'll do is just to have some variety. Um, and that, I think with three, I'll probably be pretty good because I'll have something that's creature focused, that's fun to play with, and mm-hmm. com- decently competitive. I'll have something that's um, not creature focused, it's more artifact focused. Yeah. And then I'll have something that's like a little broken, just in case the games start to get that way. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to be well rounded. Um, but yeah, I uh, think that's all the hobby stuff I've got going on. Yeah, I think that's about uh, that's about everything I've got going on today too. Yeah. Um, well, uh, this weekend, Saturday, um, so it'll be tomorrow when you guys listen to this, hopefully. Um, Saturday the 7th? No, yeah. 8th. 8th. Yeah, the 8th. The 8th. Saturday the 8th. We will be playing Laser Tag. Um, I actually, did you go to the last Laser Tag? I've never, I've never played Laser Tag before. Never? So. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so yeah, we will be playing uh, Laser Tag this Saturday, September the 8th. From 6 to 10 p.m. at Extreme Laser Combat. Um, if you wear your shirt or tank top or you have your club membership card, you'll get 20% off each each game. Um, this is a child-friendly event, so bring your friends. Um, 
I did not go to the last event that was here. I'm kind of curious. I, I like laser tag. Um, apparently, this is a kind of a cool place where you can um, you like there's weapon power ups and stuff, and oh, you actually cool. have to go back to a respawn. And I know my biggest complaint with playing laser tag in the past was like someone just like follows you around and just like cheeses the shit out of you. They just like light you up every time you respawn. Right. And it's like well, this isn't fun. Yeah, that but seems this one, it's kind of like you go back to your team's side, and then you kind of get a fresh chance. Okay, so it's like a first-person shooter. Yeah, kind of yeah. Um, so I think it'll be pretty fun. Um, I'm looking forward to that. And then I think, again, so then um, that's Saturday. And then on Monday, again, we'll be at Cardinal playing Magic from 6 to 9. Um, so come out, hang out. We've got decks if you guys need to borrow one uh, to learn. Um, and, and don't be afraid. We've got people that have just been playing a couple weeks. That um, And this is something Chris and I talked about. I think we're going to try and, and mash the pods up a little bit differently. Yeah. And a pod is just a play group. But um, we we matched them up pretty poorly this last week, I think. And, and we had people that were very new um, with decks that were not... Um, very powerful. Very, they're pretty much just the pre-constructed commander mm-hmm. decks, which are fine if you're playing against those other pre-constructed decks. Right. And actually, they're not that bad. So what I figured out was, um, as we were playing, so what I kind of did was um, I, I kind of drug a game out a little bit because um, it was a very, very frustrating game early on. Um, and I didn't want the only game that they played to be that way. Right. So I was like, well, you know, whatever. Like, I, don't, I just won't, like, try and drop the hammer, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I'll see if they can let like you know let's drag it out a little bit. Um, and and as the game went on, those pre-constructed decks are not bad. Okay. So I think the main problem is is just this, again going back to efficiency and speed. Whereas I, I'm able to do things really powerful in turns three to five. Mm-hmm. You know, it's taking them turns seven to ten. Right. Um, which can be a little frustrating. But if you let them get there, I mean, they've got plenty of powerful cards. There you go. So um, you know, if we, if we play. If you come out Monday, uh, at least one of us will probably be playing some pre-constructed with some of the other pre-constructed. So if you want to try out some of that, um, we'll have you know kind of the kiddie pool, yeah, where we can you pools. know we can play uh, some more. I mean, you know, I really enjoy playing pre-constructed decks just because they are a little bit slower. There, you, you can take a little bit more time, and then you know I don't know all those there, cards the, too. The so biggest problem that I have with playing them, I agree with you, they're decent games because everyone. What it does, the reason they're fun for me is because everybody's on the same level, right? Like, there's not just somebody that's obviously like their decks better, they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but what I dislike about playing the pre-constructed deck, it is very obvious if you're familiar with playing Magic and you understand what you're looking for in a deck. They're very obviously disjointed and not focused. Yeah, that's my biggest complaint. Yeah, because they've playing. got like the three commanders. That you yeah, can pick and they from, can all kind of do different things, yeah. and the decks kind of got cards to support all of them. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is you have a hand, and it's like, all right, so I have these cards that are decent cards, but they don't necessarily support what my commander is trying to do. Right. So then you're kind of like stuck playing like a half-ass strategy, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of frustrating for me. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it, it all works because everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. Um, except for some of the preconstructeds or the older preconstructeds are definitely better than than some of the newer ones. I think I haven't really looked at too much. Like, of the, I mean, the Cassidy's Kalia deck. Oh yeah, that deck is crazy. I mean, before we put anything in it, was like keeping up with several hundred dollar decks. Yeah, Kalia is just crazy to begin with. So that's I mean, what I mean, right? It's yeah. like you, you know, just because it's preconstructed doesn't necessarily mean it's on an evil playing even playing field. Right. But I would say. The pre-constructed from the last year or two are probably in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so come out, come on out, guys, on Monday, um, and then uh, I guess we'll talk about the week after's events next week. But yep. uh, that's all I've got for you, Chris. You got anything? Uh, that's all I've got. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Um, don't forget to like the posts on Facebook when we post up the podcast. Share it if you guys don't mind. Rate review on iTunes. 
Um, if you have any questions, Facebook us or you can email us at a nerd like me media.com. Um, but that's all we got for you this week, guys. Thanks for listening.